Today is June the 11th, 2020, and we will continue reading from the Legalized Genocide of Colored People, Open Season, by Ben Crump. Tamir Rice. Twelve-year-old Tamir Rice, a black boy on the cusp of becoming a teenager, was playing with a plastic BB gun in a park when with virtually no hesitation, police shot and killed him. Video shows the child being gunned down by officers Timothy Lohman and Frank Garback within two seconds of their arrival on the scene. Show me your hands, show me your hands, show me your hands, Frank Garback demanded of Tamir Rice. According to the officers, they saw the child reach toward the gun in his waistband. Evidence from Rice's shooting was turned over to the Cuyahoga County prosecutors. Ultimately, a grand jury declined to indict, to indict the two officers, referring to the death of young Tamir as a perfect storm of human error, mistakes by all that day. One can only wonder what and how many mistakes a 12-year-old boy can make in two seconds. According to Prosecutor Tim McGinty's 224-page investigation report, 27 people were interviewed, including Tamir's teachers and friends and the 911 caller. However, Officers Lowman and Garnback declined to be interviewed. Their representatives claimed they were verbally warned. They verbally warned Rice to show his hands three times in two seconds before firing at the boy. Even though the Cuyahoga Police Department could not get its story straight and the implicated officers declined to give statements, the grand jury still determined the officers acted reasonably in shooting Tamir Rice. In contrast to Dylan Ruth, I think of Tamir as I consider the police's hesitation in using deadly force against armed, threatening white men. When we think of protest, protect, and serve, we think of police who first will seek to protect before they pull out their weapons. Can we not imagine that little boy should be safe from harm in an environment created especially for them? When we think of a heavily armed militia group, such as the one in the Bundy standoff, occupying federal land, and literally making demands of our government, we cannot imagine swift and appropriate action from our law enforcement officers. Tamir Rice was shot within less than two seconds after a police car driving up on the grass toward him at high speed screeched to a stop right beside him. A moment later, he was shot. There were no negotiations. There was no resistance and no time was taken to speak to a kid to determine if the gun with which he was playing was, in fact, real. Instead, Tamir was shot and killed. The fact that the police officers drove their car so close to Tamir does not indicate fear, but a type of mentality that has no regard for black lives. The lack of care and humanity shown by the officers who shot and killed young Tamir Rice 
was also shown by the grand jury that allowed a district attorney to manipulate the evidence in his case in order to ensure that no charges were made. It is implausible to think that a grand jury would find no reason to charge the police officers when, if nothing more, Ohio is an open carry state. Had Tamir been carrying a gun, period, he would not have been breaking any laws. Even as Tamir lay dying and likely confused as to what was happening, the officers never rendered any form of aid. It wasn't until an undercover FBI arrived on the scene a few minutes later that the child received assistance. By then, it was too late. On August the 1st, 2015, New York Times article by Matt Apuzo documented a 2009 case involving a Texas sheriff's deputy who felt threatened by a car coming at him. William J. Lewinsky, a, psycho a psychology professor who often testifies on behalf of law enforcement officers, told a court that the officer was in such fear of being killed and was so focused on firing his weapon to combat the threat that he didn't realize the car had passed him by when he shot the driver in the back, killing him. According to the article, such gaps in observation and memory, Lewinsky says, can be explained by a phenomenon called inattentional blindness in which the brain is so focused on one task that it blocks out everything else. The officer was acquitted. We hear many officers claim in court, I felt in fear of my life. I was in fear for my life. That's why I shot. Where does the fear originate? In a study by psychologist John Paul Wilson, published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, Black people were perceived as stronger, more muscular, and more physically formidable than white people, when in fact there was no difference. Study participants judged black subjects as more likely to produce harm and therefore more likely to require force to subdue. These perceptions have deep roots in our culture. As Dr. David Pilgrim discusses in his book, Understanding Jim Crow, using racist memorabilia to teach tolerance and promote social justice. The brute character, character, caricature portrays black men as innately savage, animalistic, destructive, and criminal, deserving punishment, maybe death. The depiction of emancipated black men as dangerous, quote, black peril, escalated during the Reconstruction, giving rise to the prevalence of lynchings. Pilgrim writes that D.W. Griffith's 1950 movie, The Birth of a Nation, portrayed some blacks as rapist beasts, justified the lynching of blacks, and glorified the Ku Klux Klan. It is to be noted that in the Seminole movie, which was even shown at the White House, there were no actual blacks in the film. Only white actors in blackface. The movie gave rise to a surge of anti-black terrorism that galvanized the Great Migration as six million 
American, black Americans fled the South seeking safety and new opportunities in the industrialized North. Remember, no moral society will accept horrific killings of innocent people unless it is somehow justified as rational. This is why the powers that can be constantly that the powers that be constantly portray minorities as uncivilized, dangerous savages who are not deserving of the equal respect and consideration that law enforcement offers must extend to white citizens. And this is regardless of any constitutional rights. The police officers who shoot black suspects in the back almost always claim self-defense. And they are almost always exonerated. But how can they maintain that they feared for their lives when the suspects were running and walking away from them? We charge genocide, the crime of government against the Negro people. A 1951 paper written by the Civil Rights Congress accusing the government of genocide based on the UN Genocide Convention reminds us that this is not a new phenomenon. Once the classic method of lynching was the rope, now it is the policeman's bullet. To many, an American, the police are the government, certainly its most visible representative. We submit that the evidence suggests the killing of Negroes has become police policy in the United States and that police policy is the most practical expression of government policy. A glaring example of the policeman's bullet is the Michael Brown case. Ferguson, Missouri is a working class community with a mostly black population and an unemployment rate that has doubled in a decade to over 15%. On August 9, 2014, about a week after Michael Brown graduated from high school, police officer Darren Wilson shot at the unarmed 18-year-old African-American. Dr. Michael Baden, one of America's preeminent forensic pathologists, hired by the family, suggests that one of the 12 bullets fired at Brown could have hit the back of his arm as he ran away. Witnesses believe that was why Brown stopped running, turned around with his hands up, and started slowly walking toward the police officer. Though there were more than 20 feet of distance between them, Wilson shot Brown seven times. He fell face forward with his hands up, dead. I watched news broadcasts of his mother, Leslie McSpadden, crying, screaming, and fighting to try to get to her son, her firstborn, as he lay in the middle of the street, blood flowing from his lifeless body. Brown lay in the street behind yellow police tape and ferocious barking dogs for more than four hours, while Ferguson's citizens watch from the other side of the tape, their blood boiling. In none of these cases was an officer convicted of wrongfully killing these black men who posed no threat. 
If in all these video accounts there was no real threat to these officers, where would the feeling of fear, often an irrational fear of being threatened by these men come from? Implicit or hidden bias, prejudice, we may not be aware we have, may explain why police are disproportionately more likely to shoot black people than white people. A 2018 report entitled, Do White Law Enforcement Officers Target Minority Suspects? found that blacks are disproportionately killed by police officers nationwide and that in actuality, non-white officers kill both black and Latino suspects at significantly higher rates than white officers do. A fact that the researchers attribute to institutional rather than individual racism. This highlights the very important fact that no matter what color your skin is, you may still harbor implicit biases if you are not aware of them. In this article, The Science of Why Cops Shoot Young Black Men, published by Mother Jones Magazine, Chris Mooney writes that inaccurate categorizing, often exasperated by media portrayal, leads to the perceptuation of stereotypes and prejudices are then attributed to inherent and immutable qualities or primers, Afrocentric features, darker skin, or dreadlocks, for instance. Bias is defined as a prejudice in favor of or against one thing, person, or group compared with another, usually in a way considered to be unfair. Implicit biases are ones that people are not aware of, and clearly biases can impact the split-second decision-making of those who are in particular in possession of particular biases. Wow. We're going to stop right there, page 46. Ben Crump, Open Season. The legalized genocide of colored people. Leave me some comments. Let's chat. Tell me what you think about what you've heard so far. Stay blessed. Stay safe. This is Sister Mary. I'm out.